Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello, good morning. How y'all doing? Oh, you guys are a little rowdy. I like it. Hey, thanks for being here. My name's Ryan. If we haven't met before, it's good to have you. Uh, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward to give an offering together. If you would like to, to partner with this church and partner with God on expanding the kingdom and working to introduce people who do not know that they're loved by Jesus uh, to the God who can change everything. Um, we are, we're coming together collectively to be able to do kingdom work. And so uh, a part of that comes from just generosity and money, spending it on Honestly, it, it just, I, I, I always think about it, but war is expensive. And there's, there's a war that is going on. Um, there are a whole bunch of people who are not here today, and uh, they're in the midst of some kind of battle where they might need somebody to come along and fight for them. And so we want to spend our time and our talents and our treasures uh, doing that fighting. If you'd pray with me, that'd be great. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be soldiers in your army. God, that you have entrusted us with important, critical work for your kingdom, and we want to win souls back uh, who are being just stolen away. And so we just pray that this offering would bless the work that you want to do, that we would be able to reach more people, that uh, you would do whatever it is you want creatively with what we give to be able to um, just expand your kingdom, take back more territory. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, they're going to pass those things along. Uh, one quick announcement before we jump into the message. Um, if you got a program when you came in, there's some more info on this. But we are holding an identity worship night May 4th on Tuesday, just a couple days from now. Uh, this is going to go from 7 to 8 p.m. So if you would like to come here and just, um, you know, maybe you really, really like the music. And this part where I get up and talk, you're like... Well, Tuesday night, the music keeps going, and it's a really great opportunity just to connect with God on a deeper level, uh, invite Him to speak to you while worship is taking place, and uh, again, that's happening Tuesday night, May 4th. All right, well, today, I want to talk about... Um, Something right along with that. On, on Tuesday, we have the identi Identity Worship Night, and I want to talk about identity today. I think this is one of the biggest deals that uh, has really changed my life and uh, called me into a, a different place with Christ, um, is recognizing my identity in His eyes 
Um, and also just the, the sadness, how sad it is to see um, a lot of different people walking around who are kind of, they, they own a bad identity where they just see themselves in a certain way. Maybe they've been given a nickname or somewhere along the line they have picked up this thing of, you know, this is who I am and this is what everybody thinks about when they meet me, when they see me. Um, this, is, this is who I am. And if it's a, if it's a thing that is, that's not from God, it, it can alter everything. And what, what can be seen throughout the Bible is that the, the enemy of God, Satan, his number one tool, the thing that he uses constantly is he plays around with people's identity and who they see themselves to be, what they believe to be true, and it's, it, can be, it can be devastating. We're going to jump into Genesis chapter 3. So this is the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, things were good for like two chapters, and then things started to kind of go wonky. Genesis chapter 3, we are introduced to the serpent. The serpent is a snake that uh, the enemy of God, Satan, has taken on. And it's a talking snake. Always avoid those. It says this, Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees that are in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so what we have here is a, a situation where this serpent comes along and he, he begins to change Adam and Eve's perception of God's identity, of who God is, that in the beginning, in chapter 1 and 2, they believed that God's identity was truth, that everything he tells us is real, it's true, we can believe him, we can trust him, uh, he has our good at, at heart, you know, he's for us, not against us, and all of a sudden, the serpent comes along and he starts to challenge these things where his identity was truth, and now, all of a sudden, well, maybe, maybe God's a liar, maybe God has secrets, that he's keeping from you. Maybe God just didn't want to tell you the whole truth about what it would mean to eat from this other tree. A lot of us are uh, reaching for God in different ways, and, and some of us, um, we're in that place of struggling to feel like we actually connect with God. Like, I've been coming to church, or I've been praying, I've been trying to read the Bible, I've been you know, I'm trying to do these different things. I'm reaching for God, but I, I just I, I can't grab him. One of the reasons I believe that is common for a lot of people is because 
it could be that the world has um, defined you or given you an identity that is not in line with God, and so maybe you are in a place where you're not as brave as God intends for you to be, or you're not as courageous, or you're not as strong. Uh, you know, certain, certain people are just fragile. Um, I'll talk to people who just say, oh man, things have just been so stressful, uh, and they, they rattle off like a couple things that are like, a, that's like a Tuesday before 10 a.m. problem solved by 10.03, like kind of, they're like, oh, I just don't know what to do. And so what this tells me is that might be a person who has an identity of um, just being fragile and making mountains out of molehills kind of thing. Maybe you're one of those kind of people. The world often tries to replace your true identity with something else just like the serpent did in the garden. This has been the tactic for thousands of years. It worked then, and it just has kept on working, and so Satan isn't really going to change up the way that he does things when we keep falling for it. And so what I want to talk about today is that there is real power there's real power that comes from knowing your true identity, like who you really are. And when I talk about identity, I'm talking about your distinctness, your unique thing that makes you you. Like how would somebody um, be able to describe you? Well, they're just really like, like what is your identity as a person? Who did God create you to be uniquely? What makes you you? kind of thing. One of the things about identity is that we have recognized that there's a, a, a power in the identity of Jesus, and so we use his name whenever we pray. If you pray any, anything in a, a Christian church or when you're praying at home, we end it with what? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Why the heck do we do that? We pray things in Jesus' name because it's a certain, there's an identity that goes along with Jesus' name that has power with it. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Like, we're not just tacking Jesus' name onto something on the end of prayers uh, because it sounds like a good thing to do. We're, we're praying things in Jesus' name because it's, it's a prayer according to a certain identity. Have you guys seen, like, movies where somebody, somebody walks up to the, the secret door in the alley and they bang on it, they open, like, the little... Slot. I've never even seen one of those doors in real life, just a slot with some eyes. They don't say anything, and they say, oh, Rocco sent me. And as soon as they hear that, they unlock the door and open it up. It's because there was an identity attached to it. Like, we don't even care who you are, but we know Rocco. He carries a certain weight. He has an identity that if he sent you, if you know who he is, uh, then you gain access to this place. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. 
To know somebody's name is to know their identity. Uh, God is asked in the Old Testament what his name is in several places. To ask who he is. What, what is your name? Who, who are you? Identify yourself. Names are important. Our name is kind of our core identity. It's, it's your first core identity. This is definitely why um, I am in favor of, if you, have, if you have a name, like your first name or your last name, and it has caused you distress in your life, you need to change that name. If it is something that you've been saddled with, you know, Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue, said he named his son Sue because he knew he wasn't going to be around to help raise him, needed him to be tough, and so I give you that name, the boy named Sue. But imagine it, at some point, I mean, it's got to be like, uh, I'm, I'm done with this name. Names are important. Nicknames are important. How many of you got a, a special nickname from your mom or dad growing up, and it just stuck, and it stuck, and it stuck, and it stuck, and you can't get rid of it no matter what? We're big with nicknames in our house. My wife, her, one of her nicknames is the crime dog. The crime dog. <laughs> My wife's name is Allison. Her name actually means truthful, and daggum, that's true. She is in search of the truth. She is in search of justice and what is right all the time, and her nickname became the crime dog because there would just be little things where she, she has to get to the bottom of this. Like, it's like one of the dogs pooped in the other room. Did, did you not take him out? No, I took him out like, I've been taking him out like every, like every 33 minutes. Uh, um, I don't know how that, how that could have happened. Well, are you sure that you took him out every 33 minutes? Because I know that when I talk to you, it starts, I'm going, oh man, maybe I didn't. And she's just getting to the bottom of it. In the Bible, Abram, his name means a great nation. He gets his name changed by God to Abraham. He says, you're not just going to be a great nation where you have a great family. You are going to be a multitude of nations. Your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. And so Abram is not enough anymore. We need to add a ham. <laughs> you're Abraham. Jacob is given a new name after he wrestles with God, he says, you're, you're no longer Jacob. Jacob had a name given to him at birth where his name meant heel grabber, that he was the trickster. He was the one who was always uh, up to something kind of shady. And God says, you need a new name. You are now Israel, which means wrestles with God because you found out who I am and you found out who you really are. Nicknames are a big deal. Names are a big deal. Our kids, um, we've, we've given them all kinds of nicknames over the years. My daughter, Ava, she's in here somewhere. I think it started as Shrimp Sauce. That was the first one. Shrimp Sauce, 
then she got a little bit bigger. Then eventually she became Ava Beans. I don't know, it just works. My son Finn, uh, he became Finny Bins. And for whatever reason, as soon as he had that nickname, it empowered him. And he's like, I could do anything, I'm the Finny Bins. And we just always laugh thinking about it because there would be different things where he was doing something crazy and dangerous and scary, and he would be screaming, I'm the Finney Bins, all right. <laughs> Name carried power. My daughter Claire, she's Claire Bina Philomena. I don't know. But she's owning it. Jesus would give people nicknames, though. He would give people alterations to their name where he said, you know, you, this was your given name, but I, I need to call you something else because you have, uh, you've taken on a different identity for me now. In John chapter 1, it says, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas which means Peter. Jesus gave him this nickname based on his physical appearance that he was built like a rock. And it was a, a twist of him being both physically imposing and also that he was going to become spiritually imposing. That you look like a rock and also you're going to become the rock on which my church is built. This is who you are. And so this was just a name that I used to be Simon, but now I'm known as Peter. Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, the God of the universe, looked at me and said, he thinks I'm like a rock that's strong and stable and that he's going to build his church on it. Jesus loved nicknames. He would call James and John, whose dad was, uh, owned a, a fishing business, he called them the Sons of Thunder because they were just these crazy guys who were driven and they had a fire in their belly. And he, just, he said, you're the Sons of Thunder. You imagine a thunderstorm comes along. Do you run and hide from it when you're a Son of Thunder? Nah. The Bible calls another James, James the less, not because he was less important than James, the brother of John, but because he was of short stature, it says. <laughs> Little Jim, Jesus called him, short stack. Then it was interesting because just a chapter or so later, Jesus gives this what be, would become a great Bible verse later, and he says that uh, our, our goal as believers is that, we, that Jesus would become greater, he would become greater, and that we would become less. And so all of a sudden, James the less is like, wait, that was a compliment. You've been given a name when you were born. Your name uh, can either help you to be brave or help to stifle you from being brave, help to make you a certain way. Your identity begins with your name, but there's way, way more to it than that. 
if you're taking notes, your identity drives your productivity. Your identity drives your productivity. Um, one of my friends, Lelena Tucker, who goes to church here, if any of you know her, um, we took a trip to Honduras several years ago, and just this woman scares me in all kinds of ways. She is stronger than I am, like she's faster, she just is, she's, she's a beast. And I'm, I'm like off on the side, like trying not to throw up from hiking up something. And she's like, she's like, come on, Denzel, come on, come on. What are you doing? I'm like, just hang on a second. I got a, huh, there's a, I got a cramp. And during that trip, I just remember saying, you are a warrior princess. You're a warrior princess. And for whatever reason, she latched onto it. And that has become a part of who she is and how she approaches situations. She says, well, I, I kind of, I, I feel like I want to do it this way that's easy, but that's not how a warrior princess would do it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sometimes you can latch onto a false identity and struggle with certain things that you were never meant to struggle with. One of the false identities that I've struggled with throughout my life is that um, if I'm not uh, the busy guy, if I'm not busy all the time, uh, if I ever have fun, then I, I'll look lazy or God won't be happy with me in some way. If I'm not being faithful, if I'm not, if I'm not producing a lot of something, uh, it was one of the pieces when I received my new identity that God said I was his son and that he was well pleased with me. And I had to realize that, you know what, there's not any place in the Bible that praises busyness. God never says being busy all the time is a good idea. That when people would talk to me, hey, how are you doing today? And I would just always say, I'd have to say, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. Because if you're not busy, then you're what? You're lazy, right? It's not true. God doesn't want me to be busy. He wants me to be fruitful in my life. And to be fruitful in my life, I have to be not busy enough to have conversations with people. Where they're coming up to me all the time going, I know you're so busy. And I'm like, oh, doing it, I'm putting off the busy vibe. That's not, that's not who I am. Your identity can come from all sorts of different things. The city that you grew up in carries an identity with it. Paul Graham, a writer about the identity of locations, wrote, Great cities attract ambitious people. You can sense it when you walk around one in a hundred subtle ways. The city sends you a message. Maybe you could do more or you should try harder. The surprising thing is how different these messages can be. New York tells you, above all, you should make more money. There are more messages too, of course, that you should be hipper, that you should be better looking. But the clearest message is that you should be richer. Certain cities carry an identity with them. New York City is making more money. What about LA? 
be famous, right? If you live in L.A., why do you live in L.A. if you're not trying to be famous? It kind of goes with it. If you live in Washington, D.C., you need to know important people because you're trying to get connected politically somehow. If you live in Oxford, you should be smarter. If you live in Silicon Valley, um, you need to make an impact on the world through tech somehow. If you live in Denver, it's just kind of do whatever you want, man. <laughs> Portland, be weird. Pittsburgh, I know a lot of us hate on Pittsburgh, but you know what identity goes with Pittsburgh? That you work hard. If you're from Pittsburgh, you're a hard worker. Cincinnati is synonymous with an identity of being traditional and conservative. That's one of the things that is spoken about us from other cities in the world when they say, what do you think about moving to Cincinnati? Eh, it's kind of like, do you not know about our art scene or the food that we have? It's not just chili. And so an identity that goes along with Cincinnati is traditional. Some aspects of that are good and some are not so good. One of the things that I think is not so good is that it, it also speaks to that we're, we're, we're kind of safe. We're a safe, um, there are certain parts of safe, definitely good, but not all safe is good. If you've read any of the Narnia books, Aslan the Lion, who is a... A picture of Jesus, what do they say about him? He isn't safe, but he's good. There's good dangerous stuff. There's good risk. When we first started Vineyard Westside, we were told that we were trying to launch this church in a place that wouldn't work. They said, it's not going to work there. That's Catholic town. Like, it's only Catholics. It's 100% Catholic. Like, it will not work. You're trying to do a different kind of church. They're all at Catholic church, or they say they are. Or they went to a wedding and say that counted. <laughs> it's not going to work. We're like, I don't know. We, uh, they, sometimes you've got to change the identity. Matthew chapter 16, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? He's the Son of Man. Like, who, who, who do you say I am? Not just Jesus, the, the carpenter. Like, who do you say I am? What's my identity when you describe me? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What starts out as a, 
a physical thing, Jesus turns into a spiritual thing. He says, you aren't just strong physically, Peter. You're strong spiritually. The Lord has given you a foundation. The interesting thing is that for Simon, sometimes he still gets called Simon after his name was changed to Peter. Like, he's like, well, wait, no, they call me Peter now. You guys, anybody have kids or maybe when you were growing up and you like came up with a different name? No, I don't go by that anymore. Call me this. Peter's like, ah, no, I don't go by Simon anymore. It would be really, really awesome if once God gave you a new name, that old name and that old identity was just gone forever. It was completely irrelevant. It would never be brought back up again, but that isn't really the case. It is relevant. It's something that we have to keep fighting against, that old us creeping back in, that old identity trying to rear its head back up. Your actual name might be something that's funny or inaccurate, but it, it was still your identity before God. And it's still gonna be it's still gonna be something the enemy uses against you. In Mark 14 it says, And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, I think it's funny, and he said to Peter, Simon. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's still, there's still a little bit of Simon in you, Peter. There's still a little bit of Simon in you. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Luke chapter 22. Jesus, I'm ready to the end. You don't have to worry about me running. You don't have to worry about me not having your back. I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you even know me. There's a little bit of Simon still in you, Peter, but I call you the rock. The world will continue to remind you about your old identity and call you back into it or try to hold you there. Um, this is, honestly, it's my, I, I'm a huge fan of AA, of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I just think it's, it's fantastic. I have one little issue with it that I always have. I think I will always have it. Um, is that when you're a part of the program, you need to say, my name is Phil and I'm an alcoholic. And you could ask Phil, well, so how long have you been sober? And Phil says, I've been sober for 12 years now. And so it's just one of those weird things where you're being reminded of who you used to be. And, and I get it, and people will, I always get in trouble when I talk about this. And it'll be a reminder again and again that, yes, but, you know, being an alcoholic, this is a disease, and it's, yeah, but... I know people who had cancer who are now in remission. I know people who had diseases that were cured who said, I used to have cancer. Not, I, 
I, have, I am cancer, I have cancer, I will always have. I used to be a thief. And then the Lord came and he changed my life. And when I tell people my story, I don't say I, I'm still a thief. I say I used to. This used to be who I was. But I'm not a thief anymore. So if it were up to me, I would just say something like, I've been rescued out of alcoholism. I've been cured of this disease. I've been, um, you know, just something. But the world's identity, the world's identity can call you back into things. If you're taking notes, the world's identity leads to passivity. It leads to passivity. In the Old Testament, there's a story in the book of Daniel where um, the king would try to, he, he was trying to teach and raise up younger people to work in the king's court and hold certain positions and do his bidding, essentially. Uh, but it says in Daniel chapter 1, they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them these names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Daniel's name meant, God is my judge. And he gave him a different name, Belshazzar, that meant, Lady, protect the king. And it was just one of these moves that an enemy will make to come along to say, okay, well, you're saying God is your judge, but um, I, I want to I remove this certain piece of your identity, and I want to change a certain part of you. This world is ruled by a spiritual enemy, and that enemy has been causing identity confusion for a long time. Our world wants us to fear men and the opinions of others more than fearing God. I'm going to run out of time. I can't go into all this Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego stuff because I have to read that. Daniel chapter 1. Any of you fascinated by the uh, what character are you tests on TikTok or Facebook or Instagram or anything? What Disney character are you? What house are you in uh, <laughs> from? You know, are you Slytherin? Oh, he is so Slytherin. A lot of us are kind of fascinated by those things. What's your spirit animal? Is it a labradoodle or a bear, a tiger, duck-billed platypus? The different personality tests that we can take. And there, there's not anything wrong with taking those, those tests. Uh, I think the reason why we're fascinated with some of those things is because we don't really know who we are. And so when something spells something out and it hits you and you go like, oh, that is me. That is so me. It can empower you in some way. 
Because your identity will lead to bravery. Your identity will lead to courage. Your identity will lead to strength. Your identity will lead to what God has intended for you to have the whole time. Your God-given identity exceeds whatever your, you know, your idea of your capacity is. Albert Einstein said, a ship is always safe at shore, but that is not what it's built for. Some of you were built for different things than you are doing right now. You were just built for, for different things than you're doing right now. You were built for different things than you've ever done before. Maybe you've sniffed it a little bit, tasted it, thought maybe, I don't know. In Luke chapter 8, it says, She came up behind him. This is a story about Jesus traveling through a crowd of people. And a woman who has been ill for many years comes up behind him and touches his clothing. So she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, crowds are surrounding you and pressing in on you from all sides. But Jesus said, no, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Like, not a, not a bump into. Somebody came up to me intentionally and knew I had something that they wanted, and they reached out and grabbed it. In biblical times, you would have your, your family crest on the hem of your garment. Um, you would take this thing that hung down from, you know, you'd have kind of a, a scarf type thing, and it would have little tassels on the end of it, but one of those would be a family crest that you would use that would get um, pressed into hot wax for letters and things like that so that you could put your seal on things so they would know whose family it came from or, or who was sending this. It was a thing to, to identify you. And this woman comes up and she reaches out and she grabs a hold of this hem of Jesus' garment saying like, I know exactly who you are. And I believe that you're the son of God. And she reaches in and just confirms his, his identity. Um, and it's that, that identity is the source of her bravery. And she just taps into, she taps into healing. You have to tap into to God's identity to eliminate the world's identity for you. An identity that I carried for many, many years uh, was the identity of someone who is abandoned or orphaned, where for whatever reason, through a series of different events that happened in my life, I just believed that everybody is eventually going to leave. Like, if you wait long enough... And it did happen again and again and again and again, where just people who came along and said, man, I just want you to know I got your back. I'm with you, and I'm not going anywhere. And it would be in the back of my mind every time, sure you will, 
just wait, just wait another six months or a year and you'll be gone all of a sudden just like everybody else and it would happen again and again. And so I carried this, this kind of abandoned thing and so it led to all sorts of things where if, if it is to be, it's up to me. Like I can't really count on anybody. I can maybe have favors from them but can't really trust anyone to truly have my back. They're going to be gone eventually and it just... It led to all kinds of, all kinds of uh, dysfunctional ways of doing things. Can you imagine if you, you can be true, deep friends with someone if you're living in a place of believing they're going to leave soon? Like, do you give yourself to them completely? And so it was one of the things that, that God did for me in giving me a new identity that said, you are not abandoned. You are not orphaned. You are not somebody that people are going to eventually run away from. So I've been talking about this and what I, what I wanted to get to with you all is asking the question, do you have an identity or multiple identities that you feel that you have taken on through something. I know I've spoken with tons of people who have been given identities from social media, that TikTok comments have given them their identity, that Instagram comments have given them their identity, that they would never ever want to admit it, to someone, but something that was said, they owned it, and they said, yeah, I am always fat. Yeah, I am uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I am um, the, the loser, the failure, the not good enough, the discount version of something better. I am the forever alone. I am the funny guy who, um, I'm the funny friend that is always in the friend zone, that never gets the girl. I am the, uh, the unwanted one, the disappointment, the always afraid, scared of my shadow. Do any of you have any of these identities that have been given to you somewhere along the way and you nodded your head yes at some point and said that, yeah, that is who I am. Someone from this church about 10 years ago told me, they said, you seem to just have a black cloud over your life. And they said it two or three different times. And it was kind of true. <laughs> I had just bad thing after bad thing happened, and injuries, and just something horrible would always happen every few months. They said, it just seemed to have like a black cloud over your life. And I started to agree with it. What I'm going to invite you to do is, if you have an identity that you know is there and you don't want it, I'm going to invite you to write it down on something today. 
and just write it down. It's not going to be for anybody else to see or anything. There's like scrap paper on the backs of the chairs with pens and stuff like that. Is there anything that you feel like is not from God that you have latched onto that is taking away from who's, who God made you to be? I want you to write it down. And I want you to come up to this cross over here. And I want you to tear that paper up and drop it in that bowl. Because I believe that this is a kind of a major step in receiving a different identity from God or accepting the truth about who you are about who he says you really are, that you have to let go of some of the other stuff. You can't have your hands full of everything. God is trying to hand you something. You might be holding on to other stuff. You're like, oh, I can't grab that thing that God has for me. It might be time for you to, to put something down that you don't need. And so we're going to pray. And I know some of you are writing already. And just whenever you want to, I invite you to come up and tear that thing up and drop it in the bowl. And we're going to dispose of it properly. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am praying on behalf of my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray in your name, Jesus, because your name is the identity of the one who gives us access to the Father. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the door that gives us entry into the presence of God. We pray in your name because it brings power, it carries authority, and we, name, we know that your name brings healing and transformation and hope and I'm just praying right now that just as you did so many times throughout Scripture, that you would give us new names. You would give us new nicknames. You would give us new identities about who we are. That we would be able to recognize any of those things that are destructive that we've latched onto that maybe are from the enemy that are not designed by you in any way, we'd be able to write those things down, tear them up, and drop them at the foot of the cross. Because you died on that cross so that we wouldn't have to carry that false identity. So we pray that you would give us just new adjectives, new words to describe us, new ways that you feel about us, that you'd shine light into any place that's dark. I feel like you have a, a, a word for somebody here today that you call them always faithful.
feel like you have a new identity for someone that is healed and hopeful. The word superhero won't get out of my brain, and so maybe somebody here today, you're known as superhero. I feel like somebody here... um, your name in your mind was Mama Bear, but it was like it was being confused by the enemy and it was B-A-R-E and that they are becoming Mama Bear in the best sense. Just say, come Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would be bringing about identities that are from you. Strong and courageous. Someone here today is a success. I don't know if it's the Lord or DJ Khaled. All you do is win, win, win. No matter what. Lord, we just pray that you keep bringing those. Just pray that you would give people a new truth. We thank you for the changes in names, the changes in identities that you give. Pray that we're able to release things that we don't need, things that were false, that we've bought into, and we release them to you. We lay them at the foot of the cross. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Thank you for being here. I will see you soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.